Welcome to the Digital Transformation of Business podcast, brought to you by Hughes On. Man, I just love that intro. I don't know why, but I just do. It makes me feel excited. Anyways, we are back. This is Curtis Campbell again, the usual suspects, Mike Tippett and Chuck Keeler. We're back for another episode. We hope you enjoyed last week's discussion on getting everyone on the same page, especially stakeholders. Part of that white paper series that we're partnering with Randy Pulubiak. We're certainly excited to have him as a partner and his experience to leverage. So we're going to talk about the part two of that series, talking about getting leadership on the same page for video technology. So Guys, let's jump right in. Describe an ecosystem to me. What's a video ecosystem? Uh, ecosystem to me, a video ecosystem would be a consistency, something that's accessible. Accessibility is important for that. It's establishing a process in which your entire organization can partake of what you've set up. So I would say maybe just a segue off of what Chuck just said, it's finding the, the right suite of solutions that addresses the various goals and objectives of your various teams. We spent the last week episode, we talked about Microsoft Teams and how it's kind of bringing everyone together. But there's other solutions like that. For example, Microsoft OneDrive. I know that's not a video centric application, but it can share videos. But, you know, just looking at the collaboration we've been able to do with our Hughes on YouTube channel and stuff like that to ultimately find a way that all of us can collaborate. It's a suite that meets the unique and varying needs or, as Randy puts it, to meet the unique and varying requirements of all departments. Yeah, no, I think an ecosystem uh, and you guys both touched on it a little bit is there's rules, there's processes, there's the formality of how we're going to do it. But it allows everybody to do it in a way that suits that suits their specific needs and responsibilities. Now, I, I think, you know, the way Randy describes it's quite accurate and quite good. Let's build that video ecosystem that meets our company's needs and the various departments and groups that are going to pursue that. Now, consumer technology companies have seen the benefits of ecosystems. For example, Apple, they want you to invest in their ecosystem and not leave their ecosystem. So, for example, my wife and I were on different platforms with our phones and then we were on different platforms with our tablets and we decided to join up together and participate in the same ecosystem. So now we're on Apple with our tablets, with our phones, with our computers, with our laptops, with our home automation even. And when we buy content, we buy it on iTunes. My next door neighbors, they do it all with Google, so Android. And so all of their tech is going to be from Google. And a friend of mine does all of his with Amazon. And there are great benefits to that. My neighbor across the street, I was talking to him and he said, I like my iPad, but I have an Android phone. My wife has a Windows phone. We have a Windows laptop. And he talked to me about how confusing and messy it has gotten for him and his wife. And they are now moving into one ecosystem, whichever one they choose. So there are great benefits from a consumer standpoint, but also from a business standpoint to establish a nice ecosystem. So everything works well with each other. Well, and I think as consumers and as users, we need to demand a little bit more of some of these people just because one member of the family chooses to get their videos from from Amazon Prime rather than from iTunes, it shouldn't make them feel like an island. I think we need to demand more out of our our providers. But I, I'm with you, Chuck. I, my whole family, you know, it's Apple, right? Apple, can, Macintosh computers, iOS devices, watches, phones, everything. Uh, and iTunes is kind of where we go. But you know what? Even on my Apple TVs that I have around the house, um, I've got Hulu, Netflix, Prime. So there's a level where they can work together. I think the tech companies are playing nicely with each other more than they maybe have ever played before. 
for that exact reason. I, I, I read things on my Kindle app on my iPhone. Two competing companies are allowing me to get the best of both worlds. Yeah. Amazon did what they did well, right? They got the Kindle app and they've got the books and they were doing that. E-reader. Yeah. But Apple gave you a platform that was great. Now, I'll say this. My wife, she doesn't like reading on the iPad. She prefers to read on that Kindle, on the Kindle White, I think is what it's called. But to your point, Kindle's available in both places. And so you have access to all the books and everything else like that. So how does that relate to setting up a, an ecosystem on the corporate level amongst your organization? You know, when you have a platform that things talk nicely to each other, it's actually pretty incredible, honestly, if you think about it. Think about how much, think about how, how much productivity is lost by having to bring something down. I'll give you a great example. Last week, I was helping a team uh, that was at, a, at an event trying to get a smart TV, one of our solutions set up in an event. They had a video that they wanted to put into a digital signage template, but it was an eight minute video was over a gig because they had encoded it so poorly. Right. So had they had the tools that they needed to be able to essentially now bear in mind, this is a, a sister company of ours. So it's not the same organization we're talking about here. But had they had the tools to essentially re-encode that video at, a, at, a, at the same level of bitrate, but still be able to have it, I wouldn't even have that conversation with them. They would have been, you know, wham, bam, done, you know, get it up playing and everything like that. So, you know, getting somebody that right set of tools to be able to say, okay, here's the video. And without sacrificing any quality, I was able to cut the video size by five sixths, essentially. It was ended up being 120 megs. I'm, I'm going into the weeds here, but I'm just talking about how critical it is to have tools that play nicely with one another so you can be efficient and you're not spending hours trying to do something very mundane. So the tools are a very important part of the ecosystem. And then when it comes to everybody knowing about the tools and having access to the tools, that's another topic altogether. But I think that really, if you have an organization set up to where everybody knows through which channels they can go to accomplish their video needs or their media needs, they may or may not even need any equipment at all. They may be able to go through these proper channels, talk to the right people and have the option to partake of the ecosystem in a way that doesn't require them to have any knowledge or expertise of, of equipment or even any equipment at all. And let's be careful not to get so so focused just on video. The general topic we're talking about here is the digital transformation of business, right? So the, you could be talking about documents as well. You could be, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So we're digitizing these documents. And again, MPEG-4 for video, MP3 for audio, PDF for standard documents and so forth. If you're working at that and your tools can support that, it's back to what we were talking about a minute ago. I choose to use the Kindle reader. You choose to use an iPad with the Kindle app. Wow, but we get to, we get to see the same information. Uh, I use Final Cut Pro. You use Adobe Premiere. But at the end of the day, we produce MPEG-4 video, right? Using the same tool is helpful if we're collaborating. If I'm editing the first couple of minutes, you're editing the second couple of minutes or something, I think then coming to a unified tool is important. If you can lay out some standards, because I'm with you guys, I, I think it would be insanity if you said, okay, here's our corporate library of content and we have it in version one and we have it in version two. You know, here, here it is for Android users. Here it is for iPod users. Here it is for, you know, computer users. That, that'd be just crazy. So distribution. So when it comes to distributing the media, I think that's where your ecosystem really needs to be strong because the bits and pieces and the, the individual parts might vary from one user to the next. At the end of the day, if your media group can digest all that and then share it with the organization and share it with the world in a way that's streamlined, that's really effective, that's optimized, then your ecosystem is going to be all the stronger. Looking specifically into a portion of this uh, white paper from, uh, from Randy, 
He talks about reaching an agreement on your capabilities and gaps. This is huge to me. You know, I mean, there's a there's a part that I think is he says it perfectly is it's critical identify to identify the gaps and areas that need to be addressed, including what additional solutions will comfortably integrate into the existing infrastructure, because trying to teach an old dog new tricks can be very difficult, even if we're dealing with a millennial or, an, or a Gen X or a Gen Y or whatever generation we're in right now. Who I don't know. But teaching an old dog or a young dog new tricks can be very difficult in some in some cases. So finding the gaps that exist and finding a solution that fits within that existing infrastructure is also a thing. So, you know, and it's funny it, that this this conversation brings me to an, an idea of, you know, uh, one of our customers, QuickCheck in New Jersey, you know, they, they had an established communication infrastructure. They had a technology suite of stuff that they had for people to invest for, especially it was quite robust for being a, such a small organization. We worked with them. They, ha- they had a problem. They still had people that couldn't consume emails because they didn't see a computer very often. They had employees that would miss out imp- on important announcements and so on and other happenings within the organization. So we worked with them essentially to share a solution that could provide yet another channel for communication that fit within their infrastructure. And it's, it's dramatically increased their employee communication or improved, if you will. You know, I I took that same paragraph and piece that you were just talking to about identifying the gaps, and it kind of it took me in a slightly different direction. I looked at it and and I thought, going around identifying the gaps, let's go around and find the places in our organization that cannot consume what we're talking about, this digital library of content. Let's make sure that oh, you know what, there's a conference room that has an old projector you know, hanging from the ceiling that is a VGA connector and shows four by three. And everybody that walks in that conference room has a laptop with an HDMI port on the side of it. And they're going, how am I going to use this? And winds up just sitting there and the conference room becomes something of a millstone. So that to me was one of the gaps I was looking at. I think it's interesting that, you know, we look at it from two different directions. But as you go around and I go back to what I said, you know, in last week's episode, and that is let's bring that conference room forward, but we don't have to bring it forward to 86 inch 4K. If we have the budget, super, but let's. Let's bring three conference rooms forward instead of one with, you know, the absolute latest and greatest. So when he was talking about identifying gaps, that was one of the places I went. I'll tell you what, given the topic that we're, you know, that we were doing at this podcast with digital transformation of business, there was a statistic in that report from Forrester. Forrester says 25% of firms will halt their digital transformation and as a result, will we lose market share? Interesting. 25%. One-fourth wow. of companies doing it that, are, that are moving in this dig- are going to halt it. Now, why? I don't know. The, there was no reference to a report or you know, any more detail there that I could dig out. But it's 25%. I'm thinking, where are these one in four dopes? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll take a stab in the dark in here. And I would say I think they probably stop it because they don't know, one, where to stop. They, they don't know, you know, they can buy all the technology in the world. I mean, you just mentioned an 86 inch 4K screen. Why wouldn't they buy 108 inch 8K when it comes available? They find out that they're dedicating so much money that they've been unable to define an ROI model to assign to that. So they just don't know when to stop. So therefore they just stop. Or they don't start. Or they don't they, start. They start in that. They start adding it up and they start saying, it's too expensive. We can't do it. So they shut it all down instead of saying, wait a minute, let's find a bit. Okay. That at least brings it into the realm of, I can sort of understand it, but how could, I don't understand how you could say we're going to stop our digital transformation. That just. Perhaps it's unorganized in a way that nobody's taking the lead like they. Or ownership. Ownership. 
okay. uh, management. Uh, maybe something else comes up, maybe uh, changes in the organization. It baffles me as well, but I see that maybe something that's really exciting at first might get uh, lost down the road. Well, and, and I think he's, I think it, it goes on to, to say IT will play a major role yeah. in whether the organization succeed or fail. And that's because you're going you're gonna to depend on IT. You're going to depend on IT to take that ownership. Okay. Not solely, maybe, you know, not exclusively, but they're going to be the ones that carry the water and make sure that the projects get finished. Well, and then there's, then there's the person at the top that, that kind of sits and takes ownership of everything IT and that's the CIO, right? Okay. He mentions a statistic in here that says 50% of CIOs find that the most of their time is spent aligning IT initiatives with business goals. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now this is this is gonna this is going to show you how just how incredibly old I really am. But early in my career and email, okay, you know, as a common business tool, right? Email had been on the internet since the DARPA people started kicking around, but it was a couple of professors doing things. But when email was becoming a thing, we had an executive vice president of the company I was working at, and he went out, and it was a him. He went out and he made a big rubber stamp that was about four inches square that he had red ink for. And it said, this can be sent email. <laughs> and every time he got a piece of paper in his office, they would come in that manila, you remember, or not manila, but the old gold envelopes, right? That you, you know, you scratched out the line before and you, you addressed it and everything like that. He'd get a piece of paper in one of those envelopes. He wouldn't even read it. He'd just take that stamp out and slap it, and then his, his admin would, would get it back to the person. This can be done. So that individual, my point in all of that, other than just laughing about how old I am, my point in that is you had an executive sponsor who was committed to making that digital transformation from paper to email. So you need ownership, and you said it a bit ago. You need a corporate, or an executive, rather, owner. Yeah, definitely. So there's another part of this that I want to talk into. It's, just, it's considering input from all stakeholders, right? We, we talked about stakeholders can really come from multiple capacities. How do you take input from stakeholders? Again, we talked about this on last week's podcast, too many cooks in the kitchen. I think, again, it's everybody staying in their lane. But does anyone, any of you guys have any other thoughts on this? One of the points that Randy makes is to navigate through the clutter, which I think is super key. He says, navigate through clutter to the solutions that address video uses, capabilities, and functionality, integrate with IT infrastructure and databases, are user-friendly and motivate use, et cetera. So if you do have that strong organized management that says, we're going to, we're going to keep this clean, we're going to keep this clutter-free, we're going to filter through all the, all the junk, and we're going to make sure that we're staying on track. But at the same time, right before that, he says, accept input from every stakeholder and department. So it's not limiting the input, but it's taking that input, digesting it in a way that's effective and coming out with something useful. Yeah, because in my mind, that's that, that's making it so that you're not you're not worried about silos. The silos can stay in place, but you're allowing the silo to have holes in it to talk through it. It's quite the metaphor. Yes. Very visual. Very visual. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, I, you know, what I what I read when he was saying, let everybody have input and everything. I, I wrote down, hey, you know what? Ask everybody, what does success mean to you? Because to one individual, success may be, hey, I can distribute this easily. To another, success may be, oh, I can produce it easily. And to a third, it's I can track it easily. What, what does success mean to you? 
and then bring all of those pieces to the table and try to define an ecosystem and a capability that does do that. And then along along the way there, and uh, there's probably two parts to this, but make sure everyone's using and understanding some form of common language, common jargon, right? You know, you 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 touched on it a minute ago, Curtis. You were working with that group. They had a, would you say, an eight-minute video that was over a gig? Yeah. Okay. Well, obviously, they don't understand compression. But when I say to somebody MPEG-4, what does that mean? Do they understand what does that mean? No, mine's not an MPEG-4. Mine's a movie. It's an MOV. Well, no. But just make sure everybody understands that common set of, of language. And, and again, as we've talked about before, understanding what tools can do what as well. Yeah. Yeah. Being sensitive to terminology. Yeah, Randy says, we can't address terminology for all areas of the video communications process, but it is helpful for everyone to understand basic fundamentals to capture, edit, manage, track, and measure digital video content, including how it is stored and distributed over different media channels and viewed on a variety of devices. So now in my role as a creative director, I try to help everybody understand the the basics when it comes to, to these things. What does a high-res image mean? What is a PDF? What are the benefits of a PDF? Why would you use a, a PDF instead of a JPEG and vice versa? Kind of the basic things. I'll take care of the heavy lifting. I'll take care of all the deep geekiness of the creative process. But if everybody on the team has an understanding that this request will take somebody 40 hours to complete, this very similar request that might be just as good will take that person four minutes to complete, that kind of understanding whether it be technical or artistic or anything, can really help everybody uh, come to better outcomes. Yeah, I mean, because there's a, there's a line that uh, Randy says here, is just make sure that executives, leaders, and the workforce know how to use the video tools and systems. If they can't use it, what good is it doing? Well, you know, we've talked about this before, and um, I had the opportunity yesterday, I'm going to do a little shout out. Uh, I had the opportunity yesterday to go down and participate in Career Day at the Salem Junior High School. So shout out to the Salem Junior High Spartans guys. But one of the things they were asking me, what is it, what's it like to be in marketing? And we were talking about it. And one of the things that I I kept hammering home to the different groups that came through there was the importance of analytics. Okay, the importance of analytics. Now, the reason I was sharing it with them was to tell them you can go into marketing without having to take calculus, right? Right, The analytics we do takes ads. Which is why I chose it. (laughs) Yeah, right. You know, I said said to these kids, I said, I sat down at calculus and the teacher professor said, let's talk about imaginary numbers. And I said, well, imagine I'm still sitting here because I'm out of here. (laughs) But um, talking about, you know, common practice, common jargon, common understanding, everybody has to understand. If you don't measure it, it doesn't exist. You have to measure it. You have to ask yourself, is it meeting the objective? I define success as this. Am I getting anywhere close? Yeah. And again, just for for laughs and giggles, these kids surprised me a couple of times. So, you know, I sat down and I said, okay, look, if I if I show up somewhere and I do a whole marketing presentation and I'm selling a widget that I make five hundred dollars. Okay, it costs me a hundred, I'm selling it for six hundred. And it cost me $1,000 to do this marketing presentation, travel time and everything. How many do I have to sell in order to make it successful? I'm thinking they're all going to say two, you know, two times 500 is 1,000. Every single one of these different groups said at least three. 
And I said, three, why do you say three? He goes, well, because you want to make some money. You don't, don't want to just, just break, break even. even. Yes. Yeah. This yeah. is seventh, eighth, and ninth graders. I was like, good for them. Way to go, guys. But uh, it was it was a blast. It was an absolute I blast. was going to say one, but that's because mathing is hard. <laughs> yeah, mathing. <laughs> Ciphering. Ciphering. Yeah. yeah. But, no, it's great. But again, define your ecosystem. Find everybody who needs to be participating. Make sure that they that they understand that common language and that you define success for everybody and try to achieve it. As we talk about getting leadership on the same page, getting everyone on the same page, to me, there's, again, you've got to find your why. Because if you're just doing this because you know your competitors are doing it, if you're just doing it because you think your customers want it, you're not, everything's going to be destined to fail, right? You've got to have your why. Tip, you and I and, and Chuck, we've been talking a lot about that OKR model, right? Objectives and key results. You've got an objective to grow your business by 30%, right? But what is that going to take? You know, what you, it's all, it all comes back to finding your why. And so if you don't know what your why is, you're, mo- you're absolutely going to fail because you'll never know how to assimilate or, out, or track the value to, you know, to your analytics point a moment ago. Absolutely. No, I, <laughs> you know, I'd say something kind of trite and stupid, but if you don't know why, don't do it. Yeah. I have a question for you too. We talk about kind of staying in your lanes, but then collaborating with other people in other lanes, et cetera, knowing your responsibility, not stepping on too many toes of other people who have different responsibilities. If you're passionate about what you do, in which I'm, I'm assuming most people are, and you see the importance of the thing that you are trying to establish, for example, here, you're trying to establish a media ecosystem, and you know that it's going to be beneficial for the company and it's going to support the, the bigger mission and the bigger goals of the company. But other people you come across don't have that same passion naturally because they're focused on their own objectives, their own goals. How, how would you suggest that you help people see the vision that you have without coming across as pushy or without coming across as... I'll tell you right now, in my opinion, the responsibility for what you're describing lies with the leader of the team. When you are in a position that is an individual contributing role, your job is to be extraordinarily closed-minded, focused, okay? I know what I'm doing. I'm the expert in this space, and I'm going to stay in my lane, but in my lane, I'm king, and I'm going to force to the best of my ability us to go. When you start to manage people, Okay. When you start to be responsible for two or three or more of these lanes, then you have to start being the kind of individual who will listen to input from everybody and take the data and then try to make the best possible decision. At that point, you start to say, okay, you know, individual one, uh, I understand that you're very passionate about this, but you know what? We've got to mix what you're doing with what she's doing. So I'm going to take a little bit of both. I'm going to dial you both back a little bit. So when you move from individual contributor to uh, leader and you move from leader to executive leadership where you have a much broader responsibility, that's when you have to start becoming less focused in there and more broadly listening and and collaborating. My leadership expertise is inferior to tips, but last week when we were coming together on the, the, the website redesign, right? You know, all of us have a specific goal in mind. All of us want our solutions to, to be spotlit in the right way possible, but how do we do it in a way that it reaches all of the goals? When there is no executive sponsor, you sit there and say, okay, what is the goal here? We all have to agree on a common goal and then work towards that common goal. Or do you need to assign a captain to that ship? I mean, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm feeling that if we have a group that of people, 10 different people in 10 different lanes, and there's no one 
at the top steering the traffic. There's nobody leading that, even if you don't have an executive sponsor, but somebody need to be heading that up. And I think that's what the article does say about the manager of the media. And the well, company. I mean, to, I mean, to the, the, the point I was just making on the website, you know, I mean, you look at you and your role as creative director. I, in my mind, would value somebody like you sitting at the top of that chain saying, OK, you have the ultimate opinion when it comes to it. And so it's your, your responsibility, I guess. And I know you're not a manager, but it's your responsibility to say, OK, this is the feedback. This is the direction we're now going to take it. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that you are not at the same time to take a step back and really analyze and, and, and start saying, well, what are our goals here? I mean, to your very point, I think that, yes, there still needs to be someone. But if that someone is someone that everyone agrees on, I don't know. I'm, I, I guess I'm still the jury's still out in my brain. So if companies now see the value in having a media executive or a media manager, somebody who's going to direct that media effort and they give them the opportunity and the budget and the authority and give them a place at the table that's significant enough, then a lot of these problems could take care of themselves. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that point. If somebody's given an equal seat at the table, then it should naturally work itself out. If, you're, if the leader of the group has mentored the group and has set a good example, I think a lot of that happens naturally. I, I really do. I think I think the leader doesn't have to be in the room playing mediator all the time. I think the leader sets a vision and explains to people that, hey, you know, look at look at the area that we're in. And then this is my subject matter. That's my subject matter expert. And the group will will come to that if the leader sets that up in a proper way. Yeah. So for a media manager who's starting out, maybe it's a new position in the company. Maybe it's a company that's decided to expand their media efforts internally. What would we give by way of advice to that new media manager on how to get this ball rolling, how to accomplish these things we're talking about? I think communication, I think gathering people together constantly. Don't gather people together briefly and say, okay, thank you. And then, you know, start to go constantly get everybody together, constantly be asking, okay, are we meeting your needs? Or, you know, do you have any new ideas? Not on how so much as, but more about why and what we can accomplish with it, I think is critical. Yeah. I mean, I would say whether it's new or it's a new initiative for an organization, you start with, okay, what is our why? What do we want to accomplish? What do we want this person to accomplish? What are, what are we looking to accomplish with these new set of tools or these new set of people? And when you have that, then ultimately you can start attacking things, right? So, I mean, if you sit there, I remember at a previous role, I met with the CEO. The only thing I knew about that company was that they sponsored some professional athlete in, in a sport, right? And, uh, and so when I convinced him that I had enough energy and passion to do what he was looking for, he was saying, okay, well, now I've got these 800 balloons above my head. I need your help to figure out a way to pull them all down, but pull them down in a way that makes sense and the way that we can actually take it. So, I mean, it's something, it's the same concept of don't bite off more than you can chew. So it's like, take it down in a, cons- in a consumable way to then attack it. And once you can use this, the, you use the success metrics you've been able to develop by doing those initiatives to essentially carry the banner f- that much further forward. No, and to add to that and to the two previous comments, I would say, Leverage the existing goals, leverage the existing uh, mission statements of the company and try to explain and try to share with everybody that your efforts in media are going going to go hand in hand and they're going to even enhance what already exists. I would suggest that in the early stages, at least in an effort to not ruffle too many feathers, if you will, you get in there and you say, hey, 
we're in this together. Media is only going to make it better. Media is only going to enhance what we are, we are already doing. And we're going to introduce some new things along the way, of course. But at the end of the day, we're here to support the goals of the company. We're here to improve the brand. We're here to support all the objectives of everybody here, all the different departments in leadership, etc. Yeah, I'd agree with that. All right. Well, I think that uh, concludes our discussion for today. Certainly appreciate you joining us and be sure to tune into our next episode. And again, all thanks go to uh, Tip and Chuck, as well as uh, Randy Palubiak for your great insight. Thanks again, guys. And we look forward to having you on a future episode. 